Welcome to the Bare Naked ABCs, where we discuss every single Bare Naked Ladies song from 7 to Y. And tonight, we'll be discussing the last song on Maybe You Should Drive. That's right. It's the episode that you have all been waiting for. Tonight, we discuss You Will Be Waiting. <laughs> and joining me and giving me nasty glances are Betsy and Jeff. Welcome. Welcome! Hi, everyone! I am the primary nasty glancer, and hello. (laughs) And my my privilege. (laughs) (laughs) And if you have never heard this song before, here is a quick snippet. But I know you will be waiting. Oh, I know you will be Oh, I know you will be waiting, waiting there for me. Tonight's song is written by Stephen Page exclusively. Uh, This is the album where they very much started to write their own stuff separately rather than working as a a duet. Um, So we do have a lot more on this album. It's pretty simple musically. We do not have Aaron or um, we don't have Aaron or Heidi with us to to be able to tell us the breakdown. But I'm going on Alan Fogel's website at right this minute, and I'm pulling up the chords. So I will do the best I can given Alan's uh, breakdown here. Hold on one second while I pull the chords up. I was gonna say I could look at Ultimate Guitar, but it's gonna be one of the. Oh, see, it's a capo, so it won't tell me the right ones. Yeah. Oh, see, this has no. Alan's site says no capo. Oh, um, see, this is capo second fret. So don't listen to me. Do your thing. Um, and so if you look on RocketOldSchool.com, he has all of the BNL albums broken. Well, not all of them are broken down, but he has them all up there. Um, and this one specifically, it looks like it's in the key of D because the, the chords that are being played on the guitar are D, D slash C sharp, uh, B minor flat six, A seven sus four, uh, C, no, sorry, that's a, my glasses aren't working here, uh, a G minor six slash A sharp a D and an A. So my guess is given all of that, especially since it starts out with D um, to begin the song, I'm guessing it's a D. It sounds, yeah, it sounds right. They couldn't chord. keep this one simple though, could they? <laughs> no. D slash F. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Let's see how complicated we can go here. <laughs> um, but it's interesting. They switch over to G during the the chorus so it's g e major g b major g a d which brings them back so it's almost like a key change for that that chorus because then it slips back into d when it comes back around for the verses in the bridge i could really confuse you but i'm not going to no go ahead no i pulled up another site here too that now this one has the capo in the second or third um, now I haven't played guitar long, but I have no idea what I'm looking at here. This is a C at G, C slash bad G, A minor seven, A minor seven slash G, F minor. <laughs> like, what am I looking? At? Is that? I'm. I'm it's gonna a, definitely. Go with a, it's Alan. definitely in a minor. It's definitely in a minor key. Yeah. I, I'm gonna go with Alan just because Alan. Like when when they had the ships and dips cruises. And BNL themselves couldn't remember the keys that the that the songs were in, and and how like they would get to a spot where they're like, I don't remember what comes next. They would literally look across to Alan yeah. and say, Hey, what what was the key this was in again? Oh, right, okay. And yeah, what was the right, first yeah. chord? Makes okay. Sense. Yeah. yeah. <laughs> so if, he still if, does that for live from home. <laughs> <laughs> Alan, Alan, call me now. <laughs> Lyrics too. 
Um, it's very simple music. So you have Andy on the piano, who is gorgeous on that piano. Yes, yes. Um, and, and as I was listening to it to a night and I was re-rating the song and figuring out where I was going to put it, the piano actually kept bringing it up points as I was listening to it. There was another instrument that brought it up for me this time, listening to it. Was it the mandolin? What, it was the mandolin, yeah. I, <laughs> I don't think I ever really picked up on how cool that mandolin part was until tonight. And I've, we don't, I mean, this is my favorite album and, and, and this is a song that I, I, well, I won't spoil. But, um... But I know you will be waiting. Oh, I know you will be waiting. Oh, I know you will be waiting, waiting there for me. But yeah, when that mandolin came in just before, I think it's, it comes in at the third, second or third verse, I can't remember. But just before one of the verses, it kicks in and it has that real um, Celtic or uh, bluegrassy feel, and it's so good. So mm. good. And I looked at Double Jack, it's Ed playing the mandolin, which didn't surprise me. That's really cool. Yeah. I mean, I love it when, when Kevin plays it, but Ed does a really good job on yeah, this. Yeah, yeah, yeah. My guess is if they play it live, then then it would be Kevin covering that. But Probably, he'd also have know. to cover the piano. Because there's an <laughs> right, because there's piano and acoustic guitar too, so I'm not sure yeah. And then and then I, Jim's on the double bass, so I don't know. <laughs> I did see, I, I did watch the live version that they had. It was the one live version and nobody played mandolin on it. It was so. Okay. That That makes sense. They're like we have too many instruments, we yeah, can't yeah. pull this off somehow. Mm-hmm. And I'm just looking up to see how often they play Which this. Which docked that live version for me about five points, by the way. Oh, really? The, yeah, I had, to, I had to take points away with the lack of mandolin. I'm sorry. Five points. That's, five, yeah, a, five that's, a, that's a five-point penalty when you when you strip me of my mandolin after giving me mandolin. You can't tease, you can't <laughs> mandolin tease me like that. You can't give me mandolin uh-uh. and then just play like that. No, it doesn't work that way. <laughs> Did you guys see the live version with uh, Peter Gwazowski? That's the one I. Yes. That's the one I watched. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Mm-hmm. And like Stephen does an amazing job vocally with that, but it is missing that mandolin. Yeah, yeah. This is one of those times where I think the studio, or at least in this case, in that live, live compared to the studio, uh, for me definitely the studio version wins out. It's just. There's a oh, yeah. Steve. Steven has a lot more power in his voice in the studio version than he did there too. Agreed. Especially, it's... especially at the end when he does that whole when he goes up high in there on you know, but yeah. And Steven has played this song thirteen times, uh, a couple of them live, but most of them live from home, and then. B&L has only played this song 12 times, and they have not played it since Steven left the band. Matter of fact, this is one of the last songs that Steven played on the Ships and Dips 5. He got that in the divorce, did he? Yeah. <laughs> I'm pretty sure that's how it came down, because they won't touch it for whatever reason. <laughs> right. Which is weird, because they will play other stuff, but I guess they just mm-hmm. feel like they have too much of their stuff to play. Right. Yeah, I'm not. I haven't seen any of their uh, real sets or anything since Stephen left. But I would imagine they, as much as possible, I'm sure Ed wants to focus more on the songs, deal with stuff he wrote or that the group wrote. Yeah, he tends to, um, which isn't bad. But it's just you know, it's good yeah. to have a couple Stephen things yeah, in sure. there. Yeah. Um. All right. So back to this screen over here. Um. <clears throat> musically, I don't have a lot more to add. It is beautiful it is a nice and and flowing tune um unusual structure though too with first course first course first course then bridge yeah ending on that bridge instead yeah yeah Yeah, it's three verses three chorus and then the bridge which is yeah and there was something that changes with that bridge too like there's a there is yeah yeah a chord change there with that as well back to the g chord yeah yeah I'm going to look it up. Yeah, it does switch back to a G, to the G chord at that point. So, 
Which is just weird. It's a very maybe you should drive thing to do, though. Um, Because A kind of does stuff like that and um, um, intermittently. That was a very maybe you should drive kind of thing, I think. It's got a nice baseline to it. Yeah, it does. Mm. You would know that. All about that bass. (laughs) No cello. Um, Do you guys have anything more to add musically? (laughs) No, I don't think so. I was just going to... Say mandolin is awesome, and <laughs> <laughs> but no, no, I don't think the harms on the chorus are really pretty though too. But... Yeah, they are. I mean, they're not like <clears throat> angelic like some no, of their other no, songs, but a... they're there and they're good. It's a, it's one of those ones where it's a very simple harm, but it it works. It's effective. Yeah, and and since you have Stephen solo for the majority of the song, it doesn't take a lot mm-hmm. to to be powerful at that point. Right. So let's switch over to what this song is about. Do you guys? I know specifically what this song is about, but oh, I there is like a specific what, meaning. Okay. There, Stephen has come out and said what the song is about, um, but I would like to hear what you guys think it's about first. You can go first, Jeff. You're letting me go first. Okay. Um, um, now, now, for the, for the longest, longest time, time, I just, I just uh, always, always assumed it was a relationship, relationship song. Well, for the longest time. Oh. <laughs> I'd do a parody to that song one of these days. Um, that would be cool. Um, oh, acapella, too. That would be fun. Anyway. That was, ooh, uh, squirrel. Um, but, uh, so, <laughs> we're... Hello, Pantheon Podcast listeners. Christian Swain here to tell you more about my experience with Raycon earbuds. Our family now has three pairs of Raycon earbuds around the house. And my wife just grabbed a pair of the headphone pros to replace some headphones from a company that was double the price. And yes, she loves them. Now, if you haven't pulled the trigger on a pair of Raycons, or even if you have, but you're in the market for another pair because they're just that good, well, now is the time to check them out because they just launched their upgraded model of the best-selling everyday earbuds. With Raycon's upgraded everyday earbuds, now you also get active noise cancellation, ergonomic design, and multi-point connectivity that lets you pair with two devices at once, new quick charge function, three customizable sound styles, plus awareness mode, available in a variety of vibrant new colors to complement any and all skin tones. I even have a pair of earbuds in a cool green color. I have tried just about every earbud known to humankind, and these Raycons are fantastic. Seriously, if you've been wanting to check out Raycons, there truly is no better time. You're going to ask yourself why you didn't check them out sooner, and Raycon offers a 30-day happiness guarantee. So, what are you waiting for? Go to buyraycon.com slash pantheon today to get 20% off your Raycon order, plus free shipping. That's right, you'll get 20% off and free shipping at buyraycon.com slash pantheon. Buyraycon.com slash pantheon. I'm still here. He didn't want to know what I had to say? He's a talking circled T. <laughs> <laughs> oh, strange things are afoot at the circle T. <laughs> <laughs> um, but yeah, so for the longest time, I, I always thought it was a, a Steven song, and or a relationship song. And because it's a Steven song, uh, a lot of figurative language um, in there um, <clears throat> with that. But it, it like, I... Um, and I, I mean, I did like I usually do back in the days when I was always uh, hopping on the show when I was uh, more of a regular before Tracy got mad at me. Um, but <laughs> uh, but you know, I, I would pop on song meaning. So of course, I saw another possible meaning, which I'm sure Tracy already has in his wallet. So I'm going to leave that to him. But uh, so, but yeah, for the longest time, I thought it was a relationship song about a relationship that's that's not quite working out. Someone wants the um, go their own way. Um, they're not happy in the relationship. The other person is uh, kind of on the fence about the whole thing. But um, <clears throat> like with the the second line, which I really do love, the second verse where he goes, um, "But I'm afraid I, you hate my arrogance, my smothering, my sitting on the fence. All red flags, all bad things." But then he goes, "But I'm afraid of the hard permanence of letting you go free. So I'm going to cling to this as tightly as I can, basically." Um, that relationship where you're just like, like, yeah, he's kind of admitting himself. This isn't good. This isn't working. It's a me thing too, but I, I don't want to let you go. 
Um, mm-hmm. And then, and then the third verse. I will go on record and say the third verse of the song might be one of my favorite lyrics Bernie Ladies ever did. And um, um, and Stephen Page just uh, to me just kills the lyrics on this third verse. But I do feel it's it's definitely symbolic. I don't think there's a literal effigy being born, burned, but. Um, um, I'm so sick of fighting that effigy you're lighting. You get that double rhyme right there in the verse. Uh, looks an awful light like someone whose name I can't quite place. Though you say it's not supposed to be me or an, any entity, it's still through the uh, flames and smoke, I recognize that face. Um, that feeling like uh, he, he, you know, when you're watching someone, you know that they're not happy with you. You know it's not good. Um, that's that's what I take from this song. I feel it's a relationship that's broken down. Um and then at the end, where he's almost kind of argumentative with himself, like I don't care if you, st- you know, if you'll be there, I don't care, but stay <laughs> anyway. You know? yeah, exactly. Yeah, that that's what like like he's almost having an argument with himself. I don't care. It's fine. You go, 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 but don't if you <laughs> if it's okay. Don't so ever that, leave me. Don't ever leave don't. me. Don't ever leave. <laughs> and I and I do love like that's one of those um, break your heart kind of moments that I love with Steven. Maybe not. He doesn't go quite to the rafters on this one, but um. But when he just hits that, you were someone, where he goes up, who would always tell me things I don't know, tell me where to go, I think is a, is an incredibly uh, funny line. Like, basically, tell me, you, would, you would tell me where to go, um, <clears throat> which I think is a really hysterical line. Um, but yeah, whether or not you're waiting, I don't care if you'll be waiting, but please say that you'll be waiting. Um, it's almost a, a pleading thing. This is such a Steven song. Like, there's no doubt. <laughs> but uh, yeah, so that, that's... It wouldn't sound right if... if- and yeah, sang it's, the song. it's got that it's got that dark biting humor. It's got that sarcasm, but it's also a very uh, um, kind of emotional, earnest song. Um, it's a, it's a good it's it's a good track from Stephen. A very good lyric. Um, he does those double rhymes in the verses um, mm. that he's so good at that wordplay. Um, but that's what I always took from it. I always took from it. It's a relationship that's just it's gone south, but the one person just cannot let go. Yeah, and, and to back you up, he does that in the other mm-hmm. verses as well at times. Like, you say you cannot live with me. You need your own identity. Right. Within that first line. Right, like right. You've got yeah, that double you, rhyme. Now we are our laundry on national TV. Um, uh, that one always was a tricky one to kind of explain within the context of the song, unless you're like going on Jerry Springer or anything. Uh, that fits the other meaning, the other meaning I saw better, but, uh, so, <laughs> but other than that, yeah, I think, and I do love, I've always loved, um, uh, crazy wordplay at the beginning of the, you say you don't believe a thing I say, I say you don't believe a thing, you say you can't believe how I don't understand, um, I've always loved the way that line sounds, it's just, it's mm. so cool. Yeah, Elides, or Elides. Yeah. yeah. Elides, Elides. Yeah. It yeah, sounds real uh, nice. Yeah, it, does, it, does. <laughs> it sure does. <coughs> that is a giant coffee cup, by the way, Betsy. It's giant. Oh, that's right. Oh, that's cool. Aww. <laughs> that's cute. I love it. <laughs> Betsy, what do you have to say about the lyrics. lyrics? I, okay, well, first of all, I'm coming in pure as a driven snow. I haven't wanted to tarnish my interpretation because I had a heads up that this could be a loaded song. So I just kind of wanted, I usually like to do my research, but I kind of wanted a fresh perspective. So. Um, I mean, I appreciate that. Same as what Jeff was saying, but um, I think there's some, um, some really clever uh, wordplay with, um, and it, when he sings it, it, it lays really nice in terms of like the wordplay so you say you don't believe a thing i say i say you don't believe a thing which Mm -hmm. means in her mind okay maybe i will believe him (laughs) and then you (laughs) say you can't leave how i don't understand so there's like this kind of a mind fuck of just things being Mm -hmm. kind of tossed around and you know the, the mental games that get played in a relationship and everything so yeah um that's one of my favorite ones. And you hit most of the other ones, Jeff, but, um, yeah, it just seems like maybe a codependent relationship where things aren't, um, super happy, but they're tolerable. Um, and you know, we know he's divorced mm-hmm. and we know that, um, I mean, he's an emotional guy I and mean, he's been through some stuff. 
So I, I think that's, you know, that gives you a lot of material to write about. So um, I think that's probably what's being reflected in here. But I have a sneaking feeling that Tracy has all the, the dirty info that and there's going to be like a <clears throat> curtain reveal or something. There Mike, is actually Mike drop you, incoming. So are we? Yes. Uh, so are we wrong? In yes. To, okay. All right. According to Stephen, you are. Now I will say that well, I Stephen's that wrong. This... <laughs> My heart is right. <laughs> Stephen, we love you. We know. We know you listen. Come on the show. <laughs> um. So before I say what Steven said, I will I believe that this is one of those songs where yes, it started out with a particular meaning, but I think that Steven also may have wanted to hide some of that meaning a little bit and used words that could very much be be misunderstood on purpose to mean relationship stuff. My home in the um, land is the one that throws me off too. That's yes. And that is where the other meaning of this comes into it. Right. And Jeff, you were correct. Um, I read on song meetings that what what they said, and I was like, okay, this is full of baloney. This is this is nuts. Like, there's no way that that's. What but then this you song look at the lyrics, about. and you're like, well, <laughs> well. And then Stephen Page did an interview on September 25th, 2018. And he stated that on their second album, he and Ed started writing political songs and wrote one about the Quebec separation Mm -hmm. and that that song was You Will Be Waiting. Right. Okay. So this song is about the Quebec separation from Canada, um, which does then go back to the Our Home and Native Land. Right. Which is the second line of the song from the Canadian National Anthem. Mm Mm-hmm. Um, which which makes a lot more sense, like he, why he would work that in. It does sound very much like a relationship song, and of course, anyone that that knows the situation knows that that the splitting up of Canada was a very relational type thing. The provinces and versus Canada versus Quebec were were was a very na- national and relational type situation, um, and, and the way I could compare it is very similar to like what would happen if if people started like states started saying no we want to secede from the united states right Uh, a very emotional topic um uh so i'm sorry but i'm also not sorry i'm gonna go into a history lesson here for a minute because it does explain a lot of the lyrics um and i i think especially the the last verse you can't understand what Steven's talking about unless you know the history. And it, I will admit, I don't think America, most Americans know about this chapter in <laughs> Canadian history. Um, I know I didn't. Um, and it's really a shame. Um, it's also based off one week worth of research on this situation. Um, I will I will gladly admit that it's most likely going to be inaccurate or missing major pieces um, if I'm way off on important p- facts, people that are listening, please write in. Let me know. Um, Is there going to be a quiz? <laughs> no, we- no, quiz. no quiz. I don't no have quiz. my number no two quiz. pencil, <clears throat> teacher. But I am I am taking like thousands of years of, of stuff and, and whittling it down to a very short period of time. So there's going to be a lot missed and, and a lot of underlying issues missed. So in the 70s, 80s, and 90s, there was a significant portion of Quebec uh, that wanted to secede from Canada. They elected a party in 1980 that held an an independent referendum to request with England for the Canadian Constitution to be changed. And they lost by 20 points to have the referendum. Now, I just said some weird stuff in there, so I'm going to explain a little bit. At this time in Canadian culture, in order to change the Canadian Constitution, it had to be done through England. Right. I'm not going to go deep into that, because, mm-hmm. it, but it is really important. Right. Because in 1981, the Quebecois Party decided to do the same thing as they had done before with the, with the trying, to get, trying to break away. But this time they didn't ask for a referendum because they lost the year before. Um, 
so basically, you know, I can't win, so I'm just going to do what I want and, and do it anyways, even though not everyone wants us. <laughs> um, the rest of the Canadians petitioned to separate more fully from England so that they could make their own constitutional changes. Mm-hmm. Quebec wasn't really happy with that because they had just requested to to break away from Canada with Britain. And, they, and so they're like, okay, so we make a request and then you ask Britain to break away so you can keep us from doing this? That doesn't feel good. Why are you doing this? Um, so up to this point, all amendments had taken place over the ocean and several attempts were made to adjust how the constitutional changes should be made, but Quebec continuously refused to agree with them, which led to a very long period of time between the late eighties and early nineties when there was a lot of disagreement about whether the constitution of Canada was even valid. This explains that the kind of the environment that, that this song was written in. Um, and, and just as an aside, this, this debate has not yet been resolved. There are still numerous attempts to satisfy Quebec um, while keeping it part of Canada, but none of them have been seen as fully working. Quebec is not fully satisfied and Canada is not fully satisfied. And, and this is still a raging debate. So it's a, it's safe to say, and I, I know I know bits and pieces of this. So I did know that I remember because I took French in high school, and um, I know our French teacher spent time in Quebec and talked a lot about this. So is it is it safe to say that at this point Quebec still wants more autonomy or independence from the rest of Canada? Yep. Okay. Yep, they do. They actually want to be known as their own nation. Right. Okay. Completely. Now they're we- not. There's at this point now. There's no connection with England, or is there still some level? All connection with England has been sent away at this point. So Canada does have its own constitution and, right. and okay. can make their own changes. But <laughs> whether or not those are actually valid and they have a real right. constitution yeah. is still up in the air because Quebec does not agree with the fact right. that they with, did yeah. that. So <laughs> yeah, okay. it's, even sense. though it's not talked about a lot, this is a, a situation that still has not been resolved. Right. That brings us to the last verse of this song, though. The effigy verse. You were mentioning that you think it's symbolic. I don't think it is. Um, I stumbled across some Canadian history this week that made me go, I don't think, I think Stephen knew exactly what he's writing about because Mm -hmm. there was an event the year before this song was released that specifically occurred with an effigy. Okay. Um, and that's where most of this history lesson is going to kind of go. And I, I, once again, sorry, but not sorry, because this is a, I think this is an extremely important part of Canadian history that we should know as Americans, um, because we too made these same mm-hmm. idiotic moves on our part. Um, so <clears throat> I believe it's responding to a problem that Quebec, uh, with the Quebec secession and the hypocritical approach that the government had with the First Nations so while while Quebec was pushing for secession during those years, the First Nations people across Canada were also trying to be recognized and gain more independence and have their own kind of independent nations be recognized within Canada and specifically in Quebec. Um, so they found a, a good foothold in this Quebec thing. They're like, oh, you want us to secede from Canada? So do we. As a matter of fact, we want us to secede from you. <laughs> Uh, as one person said, if Canada is divisible, so is Quebec. Quebec did not like that so much. <laughs> and a lot of the citizens of Quebec did not like that so much. Um, and a, a University of British Columbia political scientist, David Elkins, said, Quebec can't separate without allowing its natives to separate. In a conceptual sense, there are two problems here. There's just one. Um, the... This frustrated a lot of the Quebecois independence group. Um, and Gerald Alfred, who is a Mohawk that teaches political science, said First Nations claims a sovereign status that poses the most serious threat to these separation projects. Whose homeland is this? What are we saying? That you don't 
own the land you live on that you can't have a bigger challenge than that. And and he has an amazing point. Like this is this is stolen land to begin with. Um, so this was the it, the environment that the Oka crisis happened, or the Ganasada. Okay, let me do it. Ganasada gay resistance happened in. So I'm gonna I'm gonna say the Oka crisis not because I'm trying to um, undermine the Ganasada gay uh, culture, but because I have a really hard time saying it, <laughs> and I worked hard on it this week just to get that well, and that's still not very good. It sounded good. Um, so. Well, thank you, <laughs> but it's still probably not close. I'm probably saying something wrong in the in in the Mohawk language. Um, so I'm going to say the Oka crisis, and I'm going to refer to them as the Mohawk, even though I understand that the Ganasada gay um, uh, culture is is just a a part of the Mohawk as a total. Um, it you know it the Mohawk is the larger tribal unit, whereas in the you have these smaller tribes within the space. Um, knowing that and understanding it, I just can't pronounce it right. I don't want to be insulting, so I'm going to go with Oka and and which is the name of the city and Mohawk, which is the name of the greater tribal group. Um, it was a land dispute between the city of Oka in Quebec and the Mohawk Nation that began on July 11th, 1990. And it lasted 78 days and had two deaths. In a really simplified explanation, the Mohawk Nation had been moved by the French several times through its history. And finally, they were told that they that the land that they were finally moved to would be theirs in the late 1700s. And, and a lot of this I'm getting from Wikipedia and a couple other sources and trying to mince it together. So mm-hmm. that's that's that sounds regretfully familiar, though, to, you know, what we did in these states. So. Yeah. Oh, oh, yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So following the conquest of New France, which is when England came in and took over New France in 1760, the Act of Capitulation of Montreal guaranteed that all Indians who had been allied to the French would be free to remain on the land that they inhabited unless those lands were formally ceded to the crown. This included the the Mohawk uh, region. Before this point, the Mohawk had been advocating for the recognition of their rights of their lands for, to the British officials. There were two other tribal towns around it that had been recognized, but the Ganasanake uh, requests to be recognized from the from the rule of the supplicants, which is the, a, a the supplicant church in France. Um, bunch of Catholics, imagine that. And they had take, taken over this area, kept moving them, and d- demanded that they were the ones in charge and that they, they were there by God's order to to change them and to bring them into the Catholic fold. So the, the Indians had to do what they said. And that was their words, not mine. Um, the, the Mohawks had reached out to Britain several times to say, we should be separated from these supplicants. And several times the British said no. Um, When the supplicants aided the British in crushing the Patriots War of 1837, the seminary's land title was confirmed. The Mohawk continued to pursue their rights to the land. They kept petitioning and failing. So, eight years later, the province of Canada extended the official title of disputed land to the supplicants. In 1868, one year after the Confederation, the chief of the Okamohawk people, Chief Joseph, wrote a letter to the seminary claiming that its grant had included about 23 kilometers squared, or nine square miles, reserved for Mohawk use in trust of the seminary, and that the seminary had neglected this trust by granting themselves sole ownership rights. 
1869, a year later, Chief Joseph attacked the seminary with a small armed force after having given the missionaries eight days to hand over the land. Local authorities ended the standoff with force. Fast forward to several things happening in between there, but a lot of battling and wanting land. Mm -hmm. In 1936, the seminary sold the territory under the protest of the local Mohawk community. At that time, they were still keeping the cattle on the common land. By 1956, the Mohawk were left to six remaining square kilometers of their original 165. Now, to give you an idea of that, six square kilometers would be equal to two and a quarter square miles. In 1965, the town approved the development of a private nine-hole golf course. Mm -hmm the Club de Golf de Oca on the portion of the disputed land. The project area bordered the pines, once again, the Mohawk land, as well as the Mohawk burial grounds that were still in use at the time and had been for over nearly a century. <laughs> the Mohawks suit, filed a suit against the development and failed. So, construction began on a parking lot and golf greens adjacent to the Mohawk burial grounds. Fast forward to 1977. Gunasata Band filed an official land claim with the Federal Office of Native Claims. They didn't get a response for nine years. Going at the speed of government. <laughs> And when they got the response, it was rejected in 1986. Mm -hmm. In March of 1989, the golf club declared that it would be expanding the golf course by adding nine holes. How many holes do they need? <laughs> <laughs> oh, there are a bunch of holes. Oh, there are quite a few yeah. holes. Since the land claim was rejected the year before, they didn't consult the Mohawks on the plan at all. The Mohawk protested, as well as the Quebec Minister of Environment, and that led to it being delayed until there was a court ruling. Now, during this delay, the Mohawk put up barricades blocking access to the Pines, their land. Well, a very, very small portion of their land at this point. Then, the court found an order of the golf course. I mean, what the actual fuck? The mayor announced that not only would the Pines, their homes, be leveled, for nine extra holes, but also for 60 condominiums. In the court order, the judge also ordered the destruction of the blockade. The Mohawk refused. The judge and the mayor ordered compliance. <laughs> the first Americans? No. Then it began to escalate. The government got involved. The Quebec Minister of Public Security joined the developer side. The Quebec Human Rights Committee and Native Affairs Ministers joined the other side, which really pissed off the mayor. On July 10th, the mayor reported that there was criminal activity happening at the barricade and the police needed to deal with it because it was causing a criminal element now. So, on July 11th, at 5.15 in the morning... The police arrived at the barriers. The police had semi-automatic we weapons, and they hid in the trees and ditches. A hundred officers surrounded the Mohawk warriors and their allies and approached the barriers, using tactical intervention squads and riot police. What year was this? Yeah, I was just wondering Nin the same thing. 1990. Holy hmm. crap. A group of the Mohawk women saw that it was their job to protect the land, so they stepped forward to talk to the officials. The police said that they would only talk to the tribal leader. The women said there was no one leader and they were all representing the interests of the tribe. The police refused to talk to them. Finally, the women compromised and picked a male 
to come forward and talk. But it failed. The police refused to talk to the person that had been picked and deployed the emergency response teams, the tactical unit, and they threw tear gas canisters and concussion grenades at the protesters to force them to disperse. Okay, that's when the Mohawk Warrior Society was called in for reinforcements. And at 6.20 a.m., an hour after this all began, they were seizing the Mercier Bridge and the highway which fed into it. They gained control of two lanes of Highway 138, and they pushed back thousands of cars to Chateaugue. Over the next three hours, they created a no-man's land between the southern barrier and the northern barrier, while the contingents blocked highways 132 and 207. Around an hour later, 7.30, a bulldozer and a helicopter arrived, and the police moved closer to the barricade. Trees were sawed down by the Mohawk and added to the barricade, while additional police cars arrived. Members of the surrounding Mohawk communities joined those that were already present at the Pines as tear gas canisters were thrown at that southern barrier. Around 8.30 a.m., the front end <coughs> the front end loader rammed the barricade. Then the armed police officers moved into the Pines and gunshots were fired on both sides. And, and this, this is, is still because, because they, they wanted, wanted to expand, expand the golf, golf course, course, right? right? And put up condos on on not their land. Right. Yeah. That's when the police retreated, abandoning six cruisers and the front end loader, which <laughs> the first Americans. Yeah, they they confiscated that. Unfortunately, one of the policemen was shot on the left side below the armpit in an area that was not covered by his bulletproof vest and it killed him. I'm not for anyone dying. Were they in the right? No. But I'm not for anyone dying in this situation. Despite a 1985 directive for the police mandating that they record all officer communications, there was no record of the events to provide to the court, which even the coroner decried as unacceptable. The officers established a, per- a perimeter around the protesters, blocking all access roads, preventing supplies like food and medicine from being delivered, and blocking ambulances from in- intervening. Representatives from the Q- Quebec Human Rights Commission were also prevented from entering. Protesters on the other side fortified the barricades and erected new ones, but the, for- the police continued to force their way in to try to arrest and search and interrogate. Mm-hmm. Before the, the raid, there were approximately 30 armed Mohawk in and around the barrier. Following the gun battle, the number grew to 60 to 70. And later on in this conflict, it got up to 600. The local Mohawk were joined by indigenous mm-hmm. people from across Canada and from across the United States. There were Mi'kmaq communities there. There were Buddhist monks. There were 15 activist Mm -hmm. students that were sent from all over Canada by the Canada Federation of Students to write a policy paper, but they decided to stay. They decided to stay and aid the Mohawk as well. Additionally, over 100 Oneida people from New York, Wisconsin, and Southern Ontario, as well as the Quebec Algonquin man, and several women from Western Canada and Mexico all came in to help. The Mercier Bridge was blockaded at the point where it passed through Mohawk territory, which sealed off access between the island of Montreal and the southern shore suburbs in Montreal. This frustrated the commuters and resulted in a lot of violent confrontations. The residents of the area became angry. They started building unauthorized, unplanned roadways to circumvent around the reserve. Matter of fact, one of them, long after this crisis, actually became incorporated into the Quebec Autoroute 30. 
The residents of Chateau Gouet mm-hmm. assaulted a Mohawk woman trying to buy groceries and tried to prevent her from leaving the store, from which she had to be escorted by police, and they threw tomatoes at her and her children. The next part is where I believe that the song is talking about. During this time, during this crisis, the locals burned multiple effigies of Mohawk warriors, calling them savages. By August 12th, the crowd at the Marcier Bridge had become a riot, several thousand strong, destroying police vehicles, wounding officers. The police lost control of the situation. There was, there was violence on both sides. This resulted in 35 people, including 10 constables, being hospitalized for their injuries. The Royal Canadian Mounted Police even were deployed at this, in this time. On August 27th, the Quebec Premier requested official military support from the Canadian Armed Forces. On August 28th, press conferences were held by the military leadership to announce an upcoming intervention, denounce the actions of the protesters, and to announce the upcoming use of three leopard tanks and the full autonomy to attack with, at will with the objective of attaining unconditional surrender from the warriors. In response, family with children and elderly members attempted to flee. They were met at the barricades with crowds throwing stones at them. The police had guaranteed safety for the evacuees, but they didn't even try to stop the crowd from breaking windshields and windows and stoning these people, literally. On August 29th, the Mohawks at the Mercer Bridge negotiated an end to the protest. Anyone who left the compound, though, was arrested, including a legal counsel, Stanley Cohen. As the military began arresting land defenders and some of them began fleeing, a 14-year-old was stabbed near the heart by a Canadian bayonet and was nearly killed. Among those charged and convicted for their participation was Ronaldo Casalbro who used the alias of Ronaldo Cross during the conflict. He was beaten by the police officers after his arrest. And while three of them were suspended without pay, the case took so long to process that they had to all that they had already left the force. Two officers were suspended and investigated for allegedly beating Caspero while in captivity. But they were subsequently not charged. Cross, however, served a six-year sentence for assault and weapons charges related to his role in the crisis. The golf course expansion that had originally triggered the whole crisis was canceled, and the land dispute was purchased from the developers by the government of Canada for $5.3 million. The municipality initially refused to sell the land until the Mohawk barricades were dismantled, but they acquiesced when the government threatened to expropriate the land without any compensation. The government of Canada did not transfer this land back to the Mohawk ownership or establish it as a land reserve. The Oka crisis motivated the development of a national First Nations policy, policing policy, to try to prevent future incidents. And it brought forth Indigenous issues into the forefront in Canada. And while this is a really important situation that happened, it is despicable and mournful that it had to come to this. And that everyone that supported people that were just trying to keep their land were prosecuted and arrested for doing the right thing. It's so it's so um, uh, mm-hmm. indicative. It's uh, the Mount Rushmore situation, which is a very um, didn't play out the same way, but a very similar thing. Mm-hmm. The land of the where Mount Rushmore is, the Black Hills, is a Sioux is a Sioux sacred area, and we 
carved four big heads in, into yeah. the, into it, and um, the gold that was offered to the the Sioux in that region is still sitting in a vault somewhere because they won't take it because they just want the land. So, and it reminds me too of Midnight Oil's um, the, um, "Beds Are Burning" song is about the government kicking the Aborigines off mm-hmm. uh, their land so they could build a missile site, and it's it's just crazy how. You yeah. see it play out. Um, the only the thing I wish know, were different in, in so about this song after reading uh, this is I wish Stephen had just run, written know, an outright protest song, not not in veiled language. And and I think if Stephen were to rewrite it today, he'd be like, "Fuck it all! I'm just gonna right. like after reading not made of like not made of after vague, reading yeah, white yeah. white noise, like I can see him going like, yeah." Mm-hmm. Well, yeah. yeah. Well, like I said, he did it with white noise. Well, like I said, like beds are burning by Midnight Oil. And it's funny to me, too, because I remember being a kid in the eight, and a kid in the 80s, and, and I didn't know what that song was about, you know, in the 80s. But then when you go back and listen to Beds Are Burning, you can tell what he's talking about. Even though he's not a specific, it's still a pretty specific song written about a very specific... So I, I, I do agree with you. I think... Making it more obvious would, um, yeah. you know, would definitely. It would. I'd like to see that too, honestly. I don't have. I mean, I've talked for a good ten, fifteen minutes on this now, um, and like I said, I briefly glanced over a lot of this. Um, I, I became enraged the more I read about this topic. So, uh, but we're we're running out of time. I don't want to keep us too long. So I do want to bring up an amazing, beautiful cover that also. Jeff, you had seen. Um, oh yes, it's very good. Yes, yes, <laughs> yeah. And it sent me down a rabbit hole listening to more of this group. I love them. So good. Their bluegrass is beautiful. Oh, um, their yeah, name is very... Midnight Sky Racer, and I recommend mm-hmm. anyone. I will put it into our show notes. Five, five piece, five piece Irish band, and they're so good. Yeah, very good. Um, so why don't we go over to ratings? I am struggling a little bit with what to rating this. Ratings are tough, especially now. I'm going to oh, I just saw her go with how many. Um, how many Mohawks is this song? And this is in respect of that of that group. It is okay. in tribute because a they tri- deserve it. A, a tribute, um, a tribute. Yeah. A tribute, so Jeff, how many yeah, Mohawks yeah, do you yeah, give right. this song? I do love this song. Um, as I mean, it's my favorite album. I love every track on this album on some varying level. Um, because it. Um. Hey, she's back. So I, I yeah. Uh, we're doing we're doing a, on a scale of zero to five Mohawks as a tribute. Okay. Um, so yeah, I mean it's my favorite album. I love every song on this album, and um, for me this one is always uh, stuck with me. Now I was obviously wrong for decades on the meaning. Um, the learning the true meaning actually probably enhanced it for me because it can be taken both ways. It, I mean. It can be a relationship song. It can be a song about what it is. And knowing what it is now, I'll never unthink that. Um, it's, it's, I love the song. I love the harms. I love the mandolin. I love... Uh, mm-hmm. uh, uh, lyrically, I th- like I said, that third verse is one of my favorite verses you ever written. You know, with its meaning, without its meaning. Um, so I, for me, this, one's, this one I would say, it's not quite up there in like five level and everything, but I'm going to say 4.7. 4.7? Yeah. Okay, Betsy. How many Mohawks do you give this song? Well, I have about twenty seconds, so I, I, I like the lyrics. I like the melody of it. I like the harms. Um, I love the wordplay and like the double rhymes within a line and how all the words you know elide. So I would give it a four point five. And that's it. We have discussed all of the first fifteen studio albums. We've discussed most of the B sides and rarities. We've discussed most of the greatest hits and rarities albums. 
and we have discussed all of the songs on their promo CDs. But if you haven't listened to the year in review discussion, then we have good news for you. We are not done. We haven't discussed In Flight. We haven't discussed Detour de Force. And there are a few rarities that we missed because that letter that had already passed us when we reached it, and I discovered that rarity. So we have hit the end of side one of this cassette. But for us old people, there was only one real way to get back to the beginning of side one. And that was to flip the tape over and listen to side two, which is what we're going to do. We will be discussing all of the missing songs in reverse alphabetical order for the rest of the year. Why? Because I think that's what you need. But Jeff, what do you need? What do I need? I'm guessing I need the next song, which is going to reference that. Well, yes. (laughs) Yes, yes, you do. And what I need is for everyone to go out and listen to your new song on YouTube featuring oh. Aaron. Oh, yes. It's yes. inconceivable. Oh, fun I mean, it's not new by the time this comes out, but it is still amazing. It'll always um, be new to me. And it deserves to be <laughs> on Dr. Demento. Dr. Demento, we know you listen. Come on the show and, and put this on your show. I posted it on the Dr. Demento Facebook page, and I saw okay. uh, during the show it hit its 200th uh, reaction, 200 like. So it's doing nice. it's doing really well over there, and I, that made me giddy because it it's been a while since I really – because it, the horror stuff – it's, it's a different crowd, so it's been really cool to see the old crowd really <laughs> embrace it. And, and it's just, it's the way it is. It's cool. It's a different target audience. And yeah, but it's, I really, really I'm really proud of that song. I didn't expect You should it be. You, you I didn't expect, <clears throat> and in hindsight, I was going to drop it at my own mix. That was my plan. I, like, I was working on the video last week when we were recording. And, uh, I was, I was just working on the video. The video was about maybe three quarters done i was gonna drop it and then aaron mentioned in the chat he's like let me know if you need any vocalists so i said the next day i said well there's not really any harms but you can jump on it's just a bad mix it's mine he said well do you want me to take a stab at it so he just that friday (laughs) night while you guys were chatting he was quiet and i'm like i wonder if he's and he suddenly goes i got something for you and he said it to me and i'm like oh my god this is it (laughs) like you 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 did it you did it (laughs) i said you may you sent it into the stratosphere i was so excited it is amazing he came back with all the little ad libs and everything none of that was in there and he just like said it was really cool it is yeah it's an amazing song and the lyrics are off the wall and great great job (laughs) Thank you. So everyone needs to go out and listen to that. I have posted it on our on our Facebook page. Um, and, and next week, you all need to come back. I need you to come back because we're going to be discussing What Do You Need, what do the song. Need? So we have two albums that haven't been discussed then, the Tour de Forest. Two, two albums and a few rarities. Yeah. No, I'm excited. And we have a few you- cool things coming up this year, as well as like... Twas the night before Christmas on Pearl Street. I am excited yeah. to cover that because I love that song. Is there a plan to cover then uh, Stephen Page's solo stuff? Is that the so at the end of the we're after that after we're done with this, we will then do our reviews of all the albums in general and like our scores, and then finally we're going to come back around and that's going to be the end of season two. Then we got to change change the tape. Because uh-huh. that makes that's when yeah. we're going to go over to Stephen right. Page's okay. solo stuff. Uh, I got it. Okay. But that's next year. We we won't yeah, be getting right. into any of that right. till mid next year. So. Right. <clears throat> okay. Got it. So yeah. So come back next week. Listen to what you need because we know what you need, and BNL I guess does too. And uh, thanks. That was fun. Please say that you will. Be waiting there for me Don't you ever leave me down 
I'm not Aaron. I can't describe this stuff without... Hey folks, Stefan Shirazi and Renee Richardson here from the Metallica Report. And we are proud members of the Pantheon podcast family, where the best of music and podcasts unite. We've got something pretty cool for you. We're giving away an exclusive Metallica merch package worth over $250. That's a whole lot of scary guys, skulls, M72, and other sought-after Metallica swag. And we've made it easy for you to win. Follow and share the Metallica Report, and you're in the game. Go to pantheonpodcast.com slash Metallica, enter your email, and hit that button to be entered to win. And just like that, you're eligible for our monthly exclusive Metallica merch package. And guess what, rockers? You can enter every month. So just do it. And while we love our global brothers and sisters, the lawyers won't let us ship outside the U.S. I'm a visual person. Audacity says I'm recording. Okay, so as I'm talking, do you see the lines moving around, or is it? Are they the just kind of stable? The lines are moving around. Ah, shit. Oh, okay, so, so it's, it's picking up. up. Yeah, it's picking it's up. picking up the speaker. Oh yeah. fuck. Um. <laughs> <laughs> That'll be edited in post. <laughs> oh. <laughs> <Nope>. <laughs> no. <laughs> I sometimes, um, wait, I sometimes wish there, there was like a cut, a cut reel of all the things that didn't make it into a podcast. I don't, I'm still not convinced it's edited at all, but... <laughs> oh, there were some times where Stefan and I probably had to be edited. You didn't edit the Cowboy Breakfast episode. You didn't edit well, I No, I couldn't edit Well, you that. had to that cut was... in a warning. I... <laughs> when Stefan suddenly announced in the middle of a podcast that he had someone in his basement, that probably oh, didn't make it. <laughs> oh, thank God. I miss um, Stefan. The one... I might have oh. put that in. The one night though, the one night though, where we were all just get like sitting doing shots. <laughs> oh man! <laughs> mm-hmm. Okay, so we can do this. It just means that we're gonna have to try really hard not to talk over each other, and I can edit it out. Yeah, Tracy. And then no promises. <laughs> no promises. Um, so we just headphones with a microphone. Okay. All right. Well, for tonight, we'll just. We'll just be really careful not to talk over each other. And what? What? <laughs> yeah, okay, that sounds good. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> All right. Uh, but we do right, need to absolutely no talk. Oh, <laughs> Starting now. Of course, we have our hands good up. Here. I think I'll get this on there. Amazon. What? This, this looks really silly right now. <laughs> That's it. Clap, clap in. in. Oh, hello. <laughs> On four. What? <laughs> One, two, three. Oh, you have to redo that. I didn't know it was on. <laughs> One and two and three and four and. <laughs> I, thought was, I thought it was four the glass. <laughs> Pull yourself together, man. Okay. Ah, <laughs> uh, thank you. <laughs> Okay. Um, I do need to shrink this so I can see what I'm doing. Okay, okay, okay. And still see you guys. Put cold water on it. <laughs> then it's invisible. Oh. <laughs> then it goes internal. <laughs> so I've been told. <laughs> Don't touch hot things. I, I was trying to adjust my lamp. That fucker is hot. <laughs> that happens with incandescent lights. Uh, yeah. No, it's an LED, though. <laughs> All right. Welcome. Oh, my God. <laughs> we will be waiting for a retake. <laughs> PNL podcast take two. <laughs> Clapboard. Okay, I at least have you. Betsy will probably pop in in a minute. I was going to say, that's... Oh, what talking a, to myself. What a buzzkill if you were announcing that we, we just got through every album and, uh, and it ends on... <laughs> 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 We've gotten through every song on every album. And, bloop. <laughs> <laughs> and there we go. Ah, what a ceremonial moment that was. It's NFL draft season, and that means it's time to start thinking about fantasy football. 
FantasyPoints.com features industry-leading experts and prognosticators using proprietary hand-charted data to help you score more fantasy points. FantasyPoints.com is the place to go for whatever kind of fantasy football you play. Whether you play fantasy football, daily fantasy sports, or do a little bit of everything, Fantasy Points has the meticulously researched content to guide you to victory. And why wait for the fall? Fantasy Points also covers the new spring football league, the UFL. Join the guru, John Hansen, Scott Barrett, Joe Dolan, and other massive names in the fantasy football universe with an exclusive offer. Use code Pantheon for 15% off any Fantasy Points package, including the all-in package, with access to every article, tool, and data nugget that Fantasy Points has to offer. That's FantasyPoints.com and code Pantheon for 15% off at Fantasy Points. FantasyPoints.com, code Pantheon. Score more Fantasy Points. Fantasy Points.